I was born in prison. I was born in HMP style. So he gives me the crack to sell and he says to me, make sure you pay me or shoot you. What did I go and do? I went and smoked it all. Took me around the corner, pulled a big 357, big, big, massive long nose revolver and just went boom, boom. And one of the shots has hit me, yeah? Blew a hole in my leg. I get the urge to ring her. Something just tells me ring her. She burst into tears and said, he's just beat me up. I'm on the gay village, crying her eyes out. So I get her on the back of my BMX, you know? As you do. Like the white horse. That's the true white horse in it. And I ride off into the sunset with her, yeah? <laughs> What's going on guys? This video is sponsored by Louis. Some of you know him on Insta as Loads, one of the best Instagram names, let me tell you that. Guys, Louis has been building online businesses for the last five to 10 years and he has spent the last five years coaching others one-to-one -one on how to start businesses. Louis's got over 2,000 profitable testimonials and guys, let me be honest with you, I wouldn't let someone sponsor the show who I didn't vouch for. So trust me, it's legit. Literally, just go send him a DM on Instagram, it's at Loads. All you gotta do is say to him, I come from the Blue Tick Show, help me make some money. And I know most of these people out there scams and there's plenty of people out there offering you millions and millions of pounds and stuff like that louis is one of the one percent who actually do it properly legitly you don't need nothing all you literally need is a phone and wi-fi send him a message and leave the rest to him guys and if you want to know why i'm sitting here pushing it so much it's because realistically Doing a nine to five ain't gonna get you nowhere. And I know most people sit here and say this because they're getting some sort of commission for it and stuff like that, but I really ain't. I'm telling you as a good person, the host of the show, doing a nine to five ain't gonna get you nowhere. So go message Louis, say you come from the boutique show, just ask Louis for the business model, let him do the explaining and let him explain to you how he can help you. I'll see you soon. What's going on guys and welcome back to the boutique show and opposite me today, I've got a couple, a couple who have been for a lot. I've got Lee Marvin Hitchburn who was born in prison Yes, born in prison. And I've got Kira. Kira survived one of Manchester's biggest serial rapists. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. We've all got smiles on our face, but the story's yeah. nothing to smile about. That's but we're it, here yeah. today to tell it. That's yeah, it, yeah. That's it. We're, we're both fighters and survivors and battlers, so we, we can tell it well, you know. That's, that, listen, that's what we're here for today. That's it, that's it, yeah. yeah. Marvin, I want to start off with you. Okay. I mate. want you to tell me your story okay. and then we'll move over to your partner and okay. she can tell her story. Right. So I was born in prison. I was born in HMP style. My mum was a prisoner. She was uh, on the mother and baby unit. Um, I found out later that my dad was also in prison as well. Um, so my mum was undecided whether to keep me or not. And um, it turns out that she was um, being told if I was a, she would to give me away, I'd be given to two doctors. So her being an addict, she thought that'd be a better life. So eventually she signed me away for adoption. Um, so then I was in an orphanage for a while um, and I was picked up by a Welsh woman. It was a lovely Welsh woman. Um, she was lovely um, and a Jamaican man. Um, he wasn't so nice. He was a bit strict, but later on I was to learn that I was born in distress. So I used to wrap my head around a pillow and bang my head off a pillow. Mm -hmm. Clearly I was missing things in my life, but also I'd wee the bed as well. So me wee in the bed, I'd have this reoccurring dream that I was um, mopping the floor. Yeah. So I'd be asleep thinking I'm mopping the floor, I'd wake up, I'd be weed the bed. So that'd be it. Then the wrath of my dad would come through and he'd go mad and he'd wouldn't know how to deal with it. So he'd pull his belt off or he'd get his bamboo cane from the fi fishing bamboo cane. Or even to extremes, I can remember him once rubbing my face in the wee, you know what I mean? After Which was very, very disturbing and distressing for me. Even as a baby, I can remember it very, very vividly. 
Um, so, you know, I didn't get didn't bond with them at all. So I used to run away up from home a lot. And there was a lot of derelict buildings in my area at the time. A lot what, of what area was it? What area was you living in? Central Manchester okay. it is, yeah. So um, I was in and out of a lot of empty houses and stuff like that. And also was petty stealing from the news agents. Um, but I was later to find out you're comfy eating like I'm eating chocolate bars like it's the yeah. best thing since sliced bread, you know. Um, so I was young and we was getting into little bits of trouble and drama and stuff like that. So I got to eight years of age and I was following the glue sniffers. The older lads was glue sniffing. Anyway, I tried the glue. And because I was so torn as a baby inside, because my mum, my adoptive mum had told me I was very special as a baby, that she picked me, okay? So because I was torn inside and I, I got this high off this, hit off this glue. What, age did, what age did this all start? Eight years of age. Eight solvent, years. yeah. Wow. I tried a solvent at eight. And um, as soon as I tried it, I thought, wow, this is like, this world is a different place, you know? The world was a very hard place for me at the time, so I thought this was much, much nicer to be in. Um, I know it was wrong now, solvent abuse is wrong and it can kill you instantly. It's a very, very dangerous thing to do, you know. I'm just warning the kids now, solvents are a no-no. But at the time, that was my escape. So I moved on to gas, okay, and I tried gas. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Mikey Mellon. I just want to say thank you all so much for the support. Guys, I need a massive favor. Before we dive into this video, scroll down, hit the like button, hit subscribe. Let's go. Now, What's gas? gas? Butane gas, what you fill your oh, lighter wow. with. Okay. So I'd stick one of them in my mouth and we'd just press on it into your teeth and you'd just let the gas go right into your system. And when I got the gas, there was this reoccurring nursery rhyme, what would reoccur in my mind, like a musical sound. And for some reason, it brought me closer to my birth mum. So I don't know if it was when I was born, I was like being played a nursery rhyme, what I could remember. But when I was on the gas, it seemed to take me closer to my mum, my birth mum. And that's where I wanted to be. So, you know, I'd take gas as often as I could. Um, I got caught off home off my adoptive sister. I had an adoptive sister at home. She was five years older than me. Tragically, she died in 2020 of a drug overdose. Um, so at the time, my sister, caught me doing the butane gas, whacked me around the head, told my mum and dad. So they knew then that I was, um, um, what do you call it, um, inquiring about different things and I was very, very wanted to try everything, you know, so I was um, red lights for that straight away, you know. So um, we moved house at 11 years of age and we moved only half a mile over the, over the hill, but to me it was like another another area, because I wasn't allowed over the hill, you know, I had to, we'd moved. So there was these big four flats opposite where we moved to. I met this lad in the flats, who was a lot older than me, he was about 16 or 17. And he, I had a games console, like a little cassette thing, and he said to me he had some games for it. So then, I mean, he, he took me to his bedroom, but then he's looking out of his window and we went over to his friend's house. He said, come, I'll, my mate's got some games. It turns out the guy was a paedophile. He took me to a man's house in his fifties. His mum was in her eighties in the in the living room. So I go to this front door and there's this old man there, and this old man just drags me into his bedroom. He has this big wooden toolbox behind his door. He drags it across, like just and starts licking my face, tore my clothes off, and I was raped. Okay, so I was my head was ripped apart. I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. I was too young to to be able to comprehend such a 
such a thing happening. Um, Did you tell your mum and dad? No, I was scared to um, because I've been told don't go in the flats and all that lot, stay out the flats. And I, I felt like it was my fault, you know. I wasn't close enough to my dad to tell him, do you know what I mean? Like, um, me and him wasn't close. So I just kept it to myself. Um, the next day, How I old was to school, you? about 11. So I go home, go to secondary school the next day and I feel like all my mates in school know. I'll never forget the feeling. I just thought everyone was going to say, ah, oh, you was raped last night, or oh, you was abused. I just thought, you know what I mean? Um, so I got home from school and unbelievably, the guy was in my mum and dad's house in the hallway talking to my mum and dad. He drove round, he knew what time I was coming home from school. He was a delivery driver. He drove round, packed his van outside my mum and dad's house. And when I've got there, he was saying, oh, here he is, helping my mum yesterday, going shopping for her. And I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? And he's like talking to my mum, trying to like befriend my mum and stuff. And I wasn't sure if they'd, they'd known each other before, you know, because the way they're talking and stuff. And he said, oh, can he come round regularly to help my mum? Like my mum's like wow. elderly. Wow. And, and literally the guy would come to my house and pick me up and take me to the deliveries. And then, you know, he'd have his wicked way with me. You know what I mean? And it got to like, um, I was troubled. I was playing up in school. I was throwing things at teachers. I was fighting with teachers. I was being excluded. The, the lessons suspended, you know what I mean? I couldn't concentrate. Um, but I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. Um, so I just kept it to myself and had to deal with that. Um, so I got to like 13, 14 and then I started just telling him no and finding the strength to just you know, avoid him and stuff like that. You know, I was starting getting angry about it and stuff anyway. So this went on for that many years? Yeah, it went on for a good couple of summers, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a torrid time, to say the least. Um, but so, um, I, straight away I started trying different drugs. There was LSD and, and amphetamine and cannabis had come around then, you know, it was like a, it was like the rave scene was about then. So, you know, I jumped straight onto the rave scene, taking loads of drugs to try and drive my mind out of all these troubles, you know. Was I, and I was your mum and dad never, never noticed nothing? I don't know. Nah, they never noticed. I was I was a runaway by then. I kept running away from home as long as possible. So the police would bring me back in and what a runaway again, do you know what I mean? So I was very, I couldn't settle, you know. Yeah. And my adoptive mum, she used to say to me, you're missing something in your life go and find your birth family. But I always felt like I wouldn't want to find them while my mum was alive, you know what I mean? Um, my adoptive mum, I felt like it would be wrong to. Um, so I get to, we're in and out the, the dance clubs and all that. So I get to, I'm 17, I'm in this dance club dancing and I've got loads of money, I've just sold drugs in the club and I see this girl dancing anyway. She turns out she lives near me. So we said, we'll go back to hers and I'm dabbing whizzing, rizzling amphetamine. This video is sponsored by Cranbrook Law, an award-winning immigration law firm. Their talented solicitors can help when any struggles arise regarding immigration law. They can help get you the visas they need. They can help get you the staff you need from any other countries. As you can see, the website is on the screen right now. So if you need anything to do with immigration law, message Cranbrook Law and let them help you. Whether you're looking to obtain a sponsor license, receive advice and guidance in relation to compliance and our civil penalties, or take advantage of our know-how and experience across a broad range of business visas, our talented and dynamic immigration lawyers are available to speak to you. Telephone numbers on the screen, emails on the screen, and hit the link in the bio if you need any help 
So she said to me, have you tried cocaine? So I went, I sort of tried it, kind of showing off, right? So what she did is she just went, stay there. And she come behind me and brought this thing in front of me, went, suck on this. And just, all I did is put my mouth in it and sucked it. It was crack cocaine. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I just thought it was cocaine. So I sucked this in and this feeling, what I felt, it was like all the drugs combined. It was like, wow, this is it. This is the drug I've been searching for, like an escape, you know what I mean? Because bear in mind, I've been taking drugs for many, many years by yeah, this time. Nothing's you know like crack cocaine. Crack cocaine is the most dangerous drug on the planet. It's the most addictive in the world. Yeah, they class it as one of the most addictive drugs on the planet. For a reason, let me tell you, because when I tried crack cocaine, it was just like, it was, it was all, everything combined. I've always said it was like the icing on the cherry on the cake. Okay? Yep. Because... It was everything I ever wanted. And what I did is I went to my best friend's house and give it him to try. Root most stupidest thing ever. But at the time, it was the right thing to do. But yeah. we was both, I didn't know what it was. I just went, mate, you think them ease was good last night? Check this out. And next minute, we're both crack addicts. So we both agreed that we wouldn't buy crack up through the week. We'd only buy it at weekends, okay? And um, it got to, obviously, you can't do that. Crack cocaine is highly, highly addictive. Before you know it, at the time I was selling cannabis from a block of flats. I'd met a girl and she lived in a block of flats local to where I lived, so I was using her house to selling drugs from. And um, I straight away kind of turned against her because I was a crack addict by then, you know what I mean? And she got pregnant. And, um, you know, a son a son had came along. She, there was a baby involved. But I was a crack addict. I didn't know how to raise a child. I'd never wanted... It wasn't something what we planned or anything like that, do you know what I mean? So I kind of turned away from that. It was the wrong thing to do, you know. I should have turned towards it, got off the crack cocaine and accepted responsibility. But I was too immature to, obviously. I didn't know what I was doing, do you know what I mean? And I you were on to, drugs. Yeah, I was addicted to crack. I tried to run from it, do you know. I remember her catching me one day. She came down back to the flat because she'd moved into her mum's house. She came to the flat one day and I was smoking crack on the side and she walked in and she went, you're going to be a crackhead. You're a crackhead. And I was Did like, she ever take any drugs? Well, this is the thing. She'd been, her first boyfriend was a crack dealer. I found out, she told me later. So she'd been around crack before I even knew what it was. So she went, you're going to be a crackhead. She brushed it all off all over onto the floor and I'm just ignoring her, just trying to look for these little pieces of crack on the floor. Yeah. And she's going, you're going to be a crackhead. I'll never forget it. And I turned and ran from her, you know what I mean? So that's what I did. I ran from my responsibilities. Um, I'm smoking crack in somebody's house on the estate and someone says to me, oh, you know that lad down the road selling heroin, don't you? You used to come buy weed off wow. you. So I went, really? He's a crack he's an heroin dealer now. What's he doing selling smack round here? And I felt aggrieved that he's selling heroin on my estate, right? So I went down there. Did you have a bit of a name back then as well? Yeah, I had a little name because, you know, I was a drug dealer and stuff, so everyone knew who I was, you yeah. know what I mean, right? So I've said to, I'm said walking down the road and I said to some lad, do you want to come and do a graph with me? So he said, yeah, yeah. So I said, all this, I passed him a machete. So we put it down his sleeve. Luckily, it never, it never got used. I've knocked on the front door. I've said to the lad, what are you doing selling smack? You walked in, these five lads in the house, drug phones, set up, all got ring uh, jewellery. So I just took over and just started robbing them, took the money off the side, took, took a bracelet, you know what I mean, bits and bats, walked out the back door, went back up the road, gave this kid a few quid and 
went about my business. Little did they I know. never reacted? No, they just, they, they kind of was a bit scared of me, do you know what I mean? Because I went in like a madman, you know? Um, so, little did I know, they went and phoned the police, but not said they was heroin dealers, and just said I'd walked in the house and robbed them, all right? So, um, I get arrested, and the evidence they had was the machete. The lad who I was with had threw the machete in the back garden, unbeknown to me. And I forgot about the machete, so I never thought of it. But they give me bail, okay? Because I was saying, look, I, this is bullshit. I've not done this, you know what I mean? Deny, deny, deny. Was this the first time you ever got arrested? It was one. No, no, I'd already been arrested for robbery at four, uh, 13 and been convicted at 14. So it was already... I'd been already in the criminal yeah. system, do you know what I mean? I'd been arrested for theft numerous times. So but from, this was the most serious at this age? Yeah, this is what I mean. I'd been a petty offender going yeah. up all my life, you know, going in and out the stores and shoplifting and whatnot, getting nicked off street theft. Like I say, I was a runaway, so I was always running. So, yeah, um, go back to the crack. Um, yeah, so I quickly became a crackhead. Um, this this um, this lad, I get bail, this lad anyway, one of the lads from the house, I see him walking up to the local supermarket so I run out of this house, kick his legs from underneath him, oh, put my knee to his throat. Said, what are you doing grassing me up to the police? What have you told the police for? So he said, oh, it wasn't me, it was the others in the house. And I'll sort it out. So anyways, as soon as he's got up, he's went straight back to the police and told him that I've caught him, so I'm remanded in custody. The next thing, I go into Hindley Prison, which is a young offenders unit, the young offenders institution, and it was like hell on earth. There is a bed frame, there's a piss bucket, there's no toilet, there is just a, a window covered in these bars and it stinks. There's excrement on the walls, they spit, there's blood, right? There's just everything. You open the broken windows and it was like a whole community of insects and millipedes and centipedes. It was the most grossest thing on the planet. And the reason why is because there was excrement, I mean, because yeah, yeah. you couldn't, You'd have to poo on A4 pieces of paper if he was really dying for a poo. You'd have to poo on paper, fold it up, and push it through the little window squares. You know, it was disgusting. And because of over the years that had happened and people had missed and he was poo dried on the windows, animals had started living on it. So it was like a fascinating little community in itself. But this was hell for us. We was living like animals, you know what I mean? And all as I did in prison is got speaking to people who were doing most serious crimes and doing worse things. You know, I was just a petty two-bit robber, street robber. I didn't know how to make money, you know what I mean? How was the first day inside? Um, it was quite quite scary, to be honest. But the difference for me was I was born in prison and I knew I was born in prison, you know? So it never, I'd never had no fear for prison, do you know what I mean? As soon as I got to prison, I was, I was born in one of these places. Back home? Yeah, you know, that's what I thought. But I don't, never told anyone my story. I always kept it to myself. Yeah. Only a few people knew my story, you know? Um, so that was me then, crackhead, in and out of custody, repeat offender, okay, addicted to crack. So when I get out, I've got nowhere to go. I go to where all the crack's being sold. And at the time, there was a reputation called Gunchester. Yep. Manchester had the reputation Gunchester. And because of wise, there was two armed gangs on one estate, and they was both shooting at each other. Basically, they was killing each other. I had to go to the most dangerous place in Manchester to make money because I was a crack addict. I Even after prison, a... you never it never stopped you. So when I got up when I was in prison, I swore every day I would never touch crack was cocaine there drug, again. Was there drugs in prison? There wasn't crack cocaine. 
okay? And I was getting little bits of cannabis on my visits. Okay? Cannabis is different to crack cocaine. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I know, wasn't, that a, I wasn't that your opportunity to say, you know what, enough now? It was, it was. But the thing was, was this is the thing, okay? So I had that strength every single day. I said, I'm never touching crack again. I'm never going to touch it again. I'm never going to touch it again. And the minute I walked out of the gate with my discharge money, all as I wanted to do was buy crack cocaine. Nothing else. That's all I wanted was crack. Do you reckon that was your, your way out? I don't think I had a way out. I think I was an addict and I had no one to tell me what to do. I had no one, no pressure of anyone saying, don't do it and don't this and that, you know? And I liked it. It was the nicest thing since sliced bread. You know, it's crack cocaine. Um, and so I was going to the crack dealer saying, can I start working for you? Like, can I get you some customers and like flag the cars down? And I was in and out of these parks where these literal gunmen sat there, you know, waiting for their enemies to come. And I'm dealing with these men and I'm getting in customers and I'm in and out of the city centre because I know all the working girls, you know. So where I was doing street robberies all my life is down where the, the red light area. So I knew everyone from the red light area and all the little street robbers was all my friends because we all used to roll together. So when they're doing a graft and coming to my side to, to look for crack, they're stopping me and going, yo, Marv, who's got the best white? Come and take me. Yeah. So I'm going into gang territory for and I'm doing that night after night, day after day. But when it's like uh, going a bit quiet, like I'm mooching into houses and getting into empty houses what are unoccupied, because I know some of the lads who own properties and they're saying to me, Marv, you get, if you get into an empty house, got any nice new plug sockets and switches and a new bath, let me know and I'll come and take it all out and pay you. You know, so I'm going down the rows of, rows of terraced houses looking for the unoccupied houses, getting into them and clearing them out for, for the boys to clear, make their, do their own houses up. But obviously, you know, these times when it's not as everything's not rosy, I'm a crack at it. So once, for example, an unknown gunman had said to me, Marv, do you want to start do you want to have two rocks and start working for me? Because I'm too busy shooting people, this guy, yeah. So he's a gangster, gang banger. They roll around in a gang of cars with a gang gang of gun, bunch of guns, go shoot looking for their enemies. So he can't be bothered selling crack. So he gives me the crack to sell and he says to me, Don't make sure you don't smoke it or Make sure you pay me, so I'll shoot you. What did I go and do? I went and smoked it all, okay? Are you giving a crackhead crack to go and sell? Like, I be, be serious now, do you I know, know what I mean? I like... know, but I know, but I understand why he did it. He was trying to give me a little squeeze. He's seen me on the corner, he's knew me for years. He's thought, Marv, I'll give him a little squeeze while I'm busy shooting people. You know, he's not going to... So I smoked it. That doesn't make it. sense, does it? A couple Set of days later, fail. I seen him and I said, bro, I've smoked it, I'm sorry, man, but, you know, I'll get you the money. So he's gone, right, here's some more, right? He gave me more and said, you owe me a bit more money on top of this now, yeah? But I think I kind of wangled him and said, oh, let, give me some more and I'll proper work this one for you. And ended up smoking him again. And I thought, I can't see him this time. I can't face him, you know what I mean? Deep in my mind, I thought, I'm going to get shot, but I just didn't care kind of thing. So it's a couple of days have gone by and I'm in the city centre. My mate said, bro, I've got some money. Let's go and buy some crack. So I said, oh, have you got enough to give me like a one-off? And he's gone, nah, man, nah, nah, I've got like, I'll give you 40 quid. And I'm thinking, shall I go and give the kid the 40 quid or shall I get him to go and buy me crap? What did I do? Got a pirate taxi. I'm sat outside the club in, in the area where the guy is from. 
I'm trying to hide while my mate's gone to buy me crack, you know. Instead, I should have went in, give the boy the money and went, mate, that's fine. So he's buying the crack from the same guy as well? <laughs> he's buying crack from the same gang. Okay. So as he's in there, one of the gang's friends has come out up and down the road because, you know, they keep an eye on what's going yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Seeing me in the back of the taxi and going, yo, Marv, blah, blah, you owe blah, blah, money. He's looking for you, he's in there, wait there. Oh, I thought, no. Fuck. And my boy's not come back by this time, you know what I mean? And... And I'm, and I'm thinking, shit, and the boys come out who everyone knows, like the gang, gangster, and he's gone, yo, come here, I want, Marv, come here. He took the piss, you come here. He took me around the corner, pulled a big 357, big, big, massive, long nose revolver, and just went boom, boom, and one of the shots has hit me, yeah? So now, it, it, it luckily, it missed my tibia and fibula, and I later found out, okay? Just blew my leg, blew a hole in my leg. So I've managed to get to the car. By this time, my mates come back, and we're in a pirate taxi. And rust the guy, keys in. So I go to my mate. Yo, I've just been shot. So he's gone. What? You've just been shot. You know, he's fucking shot. Yeah, come and shoot me. He's saying. But as I've got in the car, I said, mate, just sit in the car because all the gangsters are out now. All the boys are out. Yeah. And all buzzing off me, man. <laughs> you've just been shot. You deserve it. So um, soon as I get in the back with my mate. The guy, the driver, just runs off, leaves the door open, runs off, the keys in ignition. So I say to my mate, drive the car. So instead of going to the hospital like a normal sane person would, I drive straight past the hospital, go to the city centre, get my crack off the boy, go and sit in a nightclub, I go in a nightclub, what's downstairs. While you've got a bullet wound in your leg? Yeah, while a bullet's pumping blood out my leg. Yeah, it's pissing blood, okay? Normal, normal. So I got to the toilet, <laughs> I'd been watching Rambo films, so I thought it was Rambo. I took my T-shirt off and I tied it's it up. It's not even funny, but I, know, I tied me. it round my leg, yeah? But because I'm smoking the pipe of crack, my blood was <coughs> pumping out faster. So there's blood everywhere, you know? I'm looking at my leg and I'm touching it and there's blood prints. So oh, all I hear next minute is some woman scream, ah, there's blood everywhere. So I look down and think, shit, there's pure blood everywhere. And there's, you know, toilets dip like that, so to the drains, so my blood's running to the drains, you know what I mean, there's literally blood. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to do something here. So the guy who's on the door, I've gone and seen him and I said, and he, he's gone, bro, I've just heard you be, I've been shot, bro. So he's gone, let me get a black bag. So he's put a black bag in his car. He's gone, let me take you to the hospital, Marv. So I said, all right, and I'm like, oh, you can take me, as long as you give me 20 quid. So literally the guy's sat try, taking me to the hospital to save my life and all i'm thinking about is 20 pounds to buy more crack when i get out so uh i get discharged i discharge myself when they've messed with it they leave a big piece of wadding in my leg i get discharged i'm back on and out the streets okay then it comes to i go back to my side and i'm back in the, around the area and um were robbing um, customers like the housing estates where all the gang gang members serve up from. We're going on the estate at night. These customers coming to buy crack. And when you're we're, saying when you're saying we're going, how many of you are? Me there? and a friend of mine, two of us. We're both crackheads. Yeah, we. So E, my mate now is doing life for a, for a murder, wow. but at the time he was a crackhead. But before I met him, he was a well-known gang member, but he'd lost his eye through a shooting, he used to be a boxer and he'd lost his eye, so he turned into a crack addict. So me and him were standing on this estate, pretending to be drug dealers. People are driving in onto the avenue, we're flagging him down and, yeah, give us your money, I'm just ripping them off, getting off or like causing drama. Yeah. 
So we get a warning anyway. Next minute, I'm stood there one Saturday morning. This car goes past with a, a mate of mine who's knew me for many, many years. He said, Marv, come here. I only seen him the other day. He said, come here. You wanted. He said, right. Blah, blah wants to see you because you've been robbing Zotch on the estate last night. Don't lie, it wasn't you, right? We know it was you. And blah, blah, your mate. So I've gone, oh, bro, man. I'm going to get a squeeze. I'm going to get shot. So he's gone, nah, nah. You won't get shot, you know. Now I realise they ain't going to shoot a crackhead for fucking robbing customers, you know what I mean? They're not going to waste a murder murder charge. But at the time, I didn't know. I said, bro, I'm going to get shot. He goes, nah, you're just going to get beat about, but you can't hit him back because you know he's just been shot in the head. So the guy who was taking me to see a gang leader has recently been shot in the head, so he's got a scar from here to the back of his neck. And now, I'll tell you how I know that later on. But anyway, so we go around into this avenue, which is a well notorious um, gang gang territory. And there's a load of gang members there with ballys on, masks on. But I know the two of them start beating me, a father and son duo, start beating me up with bottles. And he's got an English bull terrier. He's putting that on me, so that's chewing at my legs. But I can't feel the pain because I'm high on crack. So I start thinking to myself, Marv, you better start screaming because they're going to kill you if you don't if you don't start making no noises, right? And it was around bomb find out, so they're letting off air bomb repeaters as well. I can't remember if they're firing them at the dog, but it was air bomb repeaters going off, so it was loud and flashing noises. Um, so I've gone, ah, oh, so the dog's chewing me and I start screaming and I make this big loud scream. And he's like, right, fuck off now, fuck off. So I start walking and I start apologizing again like an idiot. He goes, what have I fucking told you? And then he goes to put the dog on me, but this guy who's there with him, who I know, like I used to smoke with him in the nighttime, he's got the dog and said, Marv, go, go. Got hold of the dog and said, go, you know, around this corner. Yeah. So I went and nursed my wounds, didn't go to the hospital again, you know, just true crackhead style, not even bothering to go to the hospital, do you know what I mean? And um, that's what I did. I, su I survived crack addiction in gun territory, trying to live off the back end of, trying to earn money off these gang members and gangbangers who've all gunned and armed. And I'm trying to earn a few quid and we're crackheads trying to make money off there. Um, but I'm in and out the city centre, you know, I'm a street robber. So it gets to me doing that a good few years, you know, and... Um, Where were you living at this point? I was living in and out of empty houses and stuff and so friends' was, houses. You was homeless and yeah, yeah, I was homeless living in and out of friends' your houses. Your family that was taking care of you, what happened to I them? I had no family by then. I'd been disowned off my my adoptive dad. You know, he'd he'd said um, he never wanted to speak to me again while I was a drug addict. You know, so um, I'm in, I'm living at a mate's house in Hume at the time. So it gets to New Year's Eve, one New Year's Eve, and I put my full face balaclava on. I'm on a borrowed a BMX out of the neighbor's garden, yeah? Riding into the city centre, I'm thinking it's New Year's Eve, I've got a few quid, I'm gonna do a couple of quick robberies there and get out of Dodge, okay? And I'm riding down this road and I see this guy who I hate with a passion because I know he's got his sister on the game because I speak to his sister when I'm going on the red light area. And I see him with this young girl and it turns out it's this young girl, Kira. So I said to him, yo, what are you doing with her? You better not put her on that beat, you know? And uh, she stood there like that. And I said, I said to him, you better leave her alone. If I see her on that beat, I'm going to smash you all over. So he's going, nah, he's pretending to be drunk. He's going, nah, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. So he's watching his um, spa to go and buy beer or whatever. So I said to him, what are you doing with him? He's a monster, he's horrible. He's a little, he'll get you on the crack and on the game. I said, yeah, you, you better not be a prostitute, you. 
And she's like, hey, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And all that proper <laughs> attitude, yeah? And there was this girl who knows knows me and was seemed to be with her. So I said, do you know her? So I said to her, take my number if you need me for anything. Um, just ring me, you know what I mean? But she stuck in my mind, this one. Because I was thinking, he's going to get her on the game. Him. He's, a, he's a little rat animal. So... I go about my business and about two hours later, I get the urge to ring her. Something just tells me, ring her. And I ring the number and she burst into tears and said, he's just beat me up. I'm on the gay village, crying her eyes out. So I get the BMX, ride over to the gay village. I'm there, she's outside the bar, he's gone in a bar. So she's crying. So I get her on the back of my BMX, you know, like the white horse. That's the true white horse in it. And I ride off into the sunset with her, yeah? So I start talking to her and I say, listen, girl, you need to get away from him because he's a monster. He's got his sister on the game. He'll get you on the game. He'll get you on crack. You better not be smoking crack. Even though I was a cracker, I was hiding it from her. Now, later... I know. You knew, yeah? I heard him scoring before he even stepped to me. <laughs> I know. So I've been around that. Listen, now it's time to introduce Kira to the show. Kira, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Just you for having me on. Not to mention it again, but you are the woman who survived one of Manchester's biggest serial rapists. That I am, yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. As much as it's a gruesome title to give you, you're here to tell the story. Absolutely. So I think that in itself is an achievement. Thank you. And welcome to the show. What is your story? Wow, I got a whole lot of stories. <laughs> my, my life's a whole lot of fucking mess. One thing I say is Marvin turned around and said, "She's a fucking survivor. That's what she is. She's a yeah, fucking survivor." She is. Yeah, she's got unbreakable tattooed here on her chest, like Tupac. Yeah, Tupac had fog life tattooed on his chest. She's got unbreakable tattooed on her chest, and yeah. she's unbreakable. That's me. Mrs. So, unbreakable. Yeah. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, tell him what went on from when you was fifteen. My story to tell. You just told yours, boy. Okay, girl. No, know your place. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> My life when I was younger, um, it's a bit messed up. Like loads of shit went on at home with my mum and my dad. Um, my little my little brother got cancer when I was thirteen, so I kind of went off the rails. And um, was you close with your little brother? Yeah. Me and my little brother to this day, I'd say, it's like two and a half years between me and my little brother, like where I roll my little brother rolls. At the moment, not at the moment, because he's, you know, he's getting a bit out, out of control. So he was eight at the time, he got throat cancer. So wow. I was 13, there was four of us. My dad's a big Irish man, because that's where we were born. So yeah, my little brother got cancer. So he was in hospital surviving cancer for the best part of three years. So I suppose my dad's at work, my mum's living in a hospital and we're left to our devices, my older sister's 18 by this time. So I went off the rails and I'm, you know, I'm Fam messing about. Family, upbringing, mum, dad, normal family, Any was it anything out of the ordinary or just a normal upbringing? But my mum my and dad were volatile growing up, like arguments, fights. Never involved in drugs or anything like that? No, 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 my dad was, no, no, no. No, my, my dad drank, he was an Irish man, but yeah. no drugs at all. My dad always, you know, put into me that, you know, drugs was dirty, funny enough. And then, you know, I'm getting kicked in and out of school. You know, my little brother's in remission. But at that time, I think because I got left to my device, my own devices for so long, I was kind of like, I don't know, maybe searching for something, you know, running, whether it be a mother figure or father figure, just just something. And then I guess the 15, I mean, I'm only allowed in school for two hours a day because I'm dust, I'm off. I'm off key and then uh, I used to chill down um, Hume on my side and um, 
I'm at the bus stop in my school uniform and I bumped into this guy. I'm 15, knows me age, obviously, I'm in my school uniform. He introduces himself, says he's 21. Goes, that's my flat over there, you should come chill sometime. Swap numbers. I think I'm grown. What I've been through, I think I'm like 10 years ahead of the game because I've had to look after myself. So I'm like, all right, you know, it's this, this interesting, this, you know, because I'm not, I'm one to hang with the boys, but I'm not like the girl girl. I'm like, you know, one of the boys. And I start chilling with him and, you know, within with, within two days, my man's smacking me about. Like, he's, he's levering me, he's sleeping with me, he's forcing me to sleep with him. You know, I'm having, but in my mind, I'm thinking he's my boyfriend, I'm thinking it's normal, because I had a boyfriend before this. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's, you know, I'm thinking it's completely normal. And then I'm going home and my parents are thinking, I've got marks because I'm scrapping again, because I'm always scrapping. So I'm sticking to that story, I'm fighting, my dad's saying to me, well, you're not going back down there no more. So I'm like running away, going to this guy's house. And it comes to, comes to one night, like, he really, really, you know, he badly beat me. I got a scar hanging from my lip, he split my lip wide open and I ended up in hospital. And obviously, because I'm 15, you have to, you know, find my next of kin. I'm saying to myself, the nurse is lying, man. I don't want a boyfriend. You know, I was fighting in my side. You know what I'm like, Dad? He's like, nah, you're grounded. You ain't going back down there no more. So I says to him, all right, well, fuck you then. I put all my shit into one black bag and I goes, down and I start living with him. I start living with him. Every bit of my life that I know was ga game over. Like, he's got me now. He's not got me part-time. Yeah. Like, he can, don't have to smack me in the ribs. You don't have to break and, my ribs. And why system. was he hitting you? Was there reasons or was he just... A I could breathe too loudly for that man. Breathe too loudly. That man had issues when it came to women. Blamed his upbringing with his mother. That man had the worst upbringing going. He ain't never raised his fist to me. He ain't never... He raised his voice to me and he just gets shut right down. Do you know I mean? So I don't believe in all them excuses. And then I think I was getting a bit too game for him, like... See, I was studying in college, I wanted to be an air hostess. I got kicked out, you know. It's all about the look. I'm going in with a black eye. Like, you can't be doing that, do you know what I mean? So... Did you have friends at this point? I had one close friend. And did they never say to you, this is wrong? I don't think we've done, I, I, I hid that much from people. Do you know, I was I was good at hiding, you know. Like, in your head, you loved him, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I loved him, like he was the be all and he, you know, he was the end all. He had his own place, he was older, yeah, you thought course, he was a man. Yeah, he was a bit suave, you know what I mean? He talked like he was one of the boys. I didn't even know his real name at the time. I didn't even know his real name. And then when I moved in with him, I, I couldn't see my friend, so it's not as if I was with my friend, like, yeah. If he left the flat, I'd sneak into town to try and meet my mum because I wasn't allowed out, I wasn't allowed to bath. Do you know what I mean? So people didn't know what was going on. Like, obviously, you guess what's going on. I met my mum one time and I've got a black eye, but she knew not even to mention it to me because she mentioned it to me. I'm going to pick him again and then she's not even going to see me for that five minutes. And then it comes to, it comes to her head, like... He was lying down and he was taking what he wanted from her and he was beating me, but it gets to the point where you can put yourself into an out-of-body experience. So see what it is with me. I've been smacked that many times. I don't feel it anymore. Like, I can just bring myself off to a place. It's that 
like where you you know you don't think and then one night it comes so I had I got a job and he didn't like it and I was I was trying to find a way out. What was the job? I was only in a call center. But it was my little job, it was my first job and I was trying to find my way out. I knew I could go back home, but I didn't want to go back home. I'm going home between my legs, between my tails, going, ha ha, I told you so, you know, with my brother and my sister, because they're older, because they were saying to me, you know, you're a dickhead, like, what are you doing? But I don't see none of you come to save me. Did they never track calling the police or anything? No, nah, none of my family called the police. It was the, it was the neighbours that was phoning the police and this outcome to head. Because one night he got drunk and he, he was a crackhead and he was trying to force me to smoke crack. I'm, I'm not having it. So he's beating me up and he's lying me down and he's taking what he takes, taking what he takes. So you can do that, but you're not going to force me onto drugs. So I was getting a bit lippy this night and it was because he had a male boss in a call centre. So of course, I'm a slag, I'm sleeping with him. I don't even know, I've only just done a trial shift, but of course. So I'm getting cocky with him and, you know, I'm standing toe to toe with him. And I just remember feeling this punch, waking up on the ground and he's stamping on my stomach. But two days before, I'd found out I was pregnant. Wow. We said to him, you know, I've you know, I've not long turned 16 by then. He knows and I know no one else knows. And he's stamping on my stomach and he's got these big Timberlands on. So I've got a Timberland footprint. I know you've heard this story plenty of times. I know you have. Yeah. But when you hear it, how does this make you feel? It makes me so frustrated and angry. Because you know? I can see there you're twitching. Yeah. You're sitting there. Yeah, and yeah. See by your side. Yeah, you're literally the, the story... looking left and right yeah. and you want to jump and yeah. eat this man alive yeah, right you now. you know that, you know. But like, I did, I did though. Okay, we get to that. <laughs> yeah. No problem, I'm gonna kick you out. I set. did. <laughs> Go ahead. So, he used to just do things to me like, he cut my hair off, took my clothes off me, didn't have a phone, wasn't allowed to wear makeup, and then like I said, I was, I was going to the store with him, I was going to spine, do you know what I mean? I was beginning to hate him. I was seeing him for what he was, found out he had a, Girlfriend in Liverpool, who was oh. pregnant. So I get why he stamped the baby out of me, because I lost the baby. The baby. Um, he Pro stabbed me in my leg. Probably one of the best things that could have happened, though. Yeah. You know what? The universe works in mysterious places, and it was the best thing, because now that I've you know, turned out to be a teenage mum to him, you know. You never lived with yourself, did you know? When you, you had a kid to him? No. at him all day? No. Um, so this night, it came to... Thing, um, came to a standstill, he stabbed me in my leg. He lived up, there was one flat there and there was one flat below. He threw me off the balcony flats, crashed down, gave him break a bone. That's when the neighbors have come out and he's, you know, they've took me to the hospital and I've walked in and like, literally my eyes closed over and everything. And I've never took a beating like that. Like I'm a scrapper in school. I prefer to scrap with the boys. I'm into all that your nails out and scratching. So, you know, I can take a dig, but the, it was just, you know, what he did to me was ridiculous. So, as he's gone to stab me that night, he's severed his tendon in his finger. So he's been took to one hospital, I'm in another hospital. So I've come in and obviously, me and a neighbor have told him who's done it. So, but so I'm was this, was this the first ever time you've actually told someone that? Yeah, it's the first time I'd ever opened my mouth and be like, yeah, we did it. Because to me, it was, that was my business. That was my pain. Your like, issue. My family had been through enough with my little brother. My little brother was only still in remission. Like, I was an outsider in the world. Like, I never fitted in the, I never fitted in school. You know, I never had a clique of friends, you know, that I clicked with. I always said I was a weird child, you know, and it only comes out, 
years later down the line, I've got bipolar. So, you know, it makes sense why, you know, I've always felt weird. So, anyway, I'm ringing in, I'm saying to him, I'm so sorry, I'll never wind you up again. I promise, I promise. So he's like, I'll come and get you from the hospital, don't tell the nurse. That's just a narcissist, toxic behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that they, 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 they were listening in on the call. So he's arranging to come, you know, come down. And he gets there, and I'm responsible around the hospital. And obviously, to me, the police are the enemy, like, let him go. What are you doing? He's sorry. How like, old are you? I'm just, I've just turned 16. Wow. Barely 16. All of this has happened and you're 16 All years this old. has happened. So the police are my enemy now. I'm saying, leave him alone. Do you know, just leave him alone. So he gets arrested and he gets stuck to the police station. But because he severed his finger, they've got to take him to get some surgery done on his finger. So then social services become involved. You're and 16 years old. At I think this point. it was something like two days after my 16th. This, you know, this You're a baby this going on, and then I'm phoning in him and I'm saying to him, "Where are you?" But they've put me in like this little B and B thing for battered women and you know, kids and shit. So I've, I've, I've got no money and like you're talking, it's my from what this hospital to the next hospital is miles. So I'm getting a taxi and obviously, you know, I'm young and I've, my face is a mess. But I've got no money, so I said to the taxi, just wait there. So I jumped, jumped it. I didn't know that the police was in there. I didn't know how it works, like he's been arrested, like they're not just letting him go. So I've come in and then they've walked in, but I've already given him the card where I'm staying. So they've gone, you've compromised yourself, Kira, like, you, he knows now where you are. So I'm giving, oh, fuck off, fuck off. I goes back and he goes, your mum and your sister's been here. I went, nah, I'm getting off, mate. I'm not staying here. But at the time, he's got this crack dealer living with him. And I know that, you know, he's got the keys to the flat. So I go and get the keys and he goes, what's he done to you again? I go, he didn't do that. I just got jumped in my side. He was like, he's going to kill you, you know. But to me, you're giving him the crack, sending him off his cake. So I'm blaming the police, I'm blaming the crack dealer. When in my heart, I know it's it's him. So a couple of hours go by, I'm laying in bed, and he walks in the flat. They bailed him. Fuck off. They bailed him. They knew that I was back at the flat. So he starts all over again. Promise I'll never do it. Months are going by. And I'm walking around with like one big bruise and... You know, it comes to this point when they ripped the front door and he's smacked it over me, but he's stamping on it and he's, I can't breathe and he's, you know, continuous. He's, and I've just got a bra on and shorts. I'm like, me and my dad, we was always like that. And he knew, he knew that I had to come back home myself. Like, the more he forced me, and I always had this 50p and he used to say to me, if you're ever in trouble and you need to come home, just put a 50p in the phone box, phone me, I'll get you home. And I remember thinking, yeah, my dad's passed away now. Uh, I remember thinking, I phoned him and I went, Dad, it's time, you know, I've got to come home. And I'll never forget his face when I walked in. I'd lost like three stone and I want big to begin with. Big black eye. Like I've got no clothes on. And I promised him that I'm never I'm never gonna go back, Dad. That phone call is probably the best phone call he's ever had in his life. Ever, yeah. Ever. Like genuinely, that phone call, getting that from in his eyes, little princess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what you thought, he hated you. No matter what you thought in that time, mm. when he got that phone call, he probably thought, "Thank fuck for that." But yeah. then I went again. I broke his heart again. I never went back to live there. Months later, he was seeing so knew where my mum lived, so we were stalking me. I don't think he's no one had ever. He'd lost control of everyone. 
because when it comes out, he was doing this to girls from care homes. He was trying, he was putting them on the game. And the more he was trying to force me to have sex with other people, the more That's to what he fight. Was trying. Yeah, the more because I was living scot free at his house, I had to earn my money somehow. So he didn't want me to have a normal job in a call centre. That's not making the money in with his pimping me out. But the more he's trying, the more to fight I'm, I'm getting. So he had an issue with you having a male boss, but he wanted you to sleep with other men. Yeah, he wants me to pass me round the hood. So and he wanted to be his woman. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm his woman, do you know what I mean? That's what I get introduced to, you know. This is a man that'll buy me a pair of trainers, stuck it off me and I made me walk two hours home barefooted just because I bought them trainers and I want back. Like, he used to do, you know, sadistic things like that. And I was back and forth and back and forth and then, you know, it's it's over a year later and it's going on and, he, you know, he's still stalking me and I can't cut that cord. There's just some reason where, where I think, like... He's the only one that cares about me in the world. My mum and dad are saying it because of my mum and dad. My siblings are saying it because of my siblings, but no, he loves me, do you know what I mean? And you know, you're that brainwashed. And then he took, I had my nana's gold. My mum gave it me, you know, when I went back home, I'd prove my, you know, I'd prove my worth that I could get, have all my things back. And he pawned it and I needed the pawn ticket because I'm going to be up shit street. My nana's dead, it's my mum's gold. So I goes to the flat on the promise, you know, I'm getting a pawn ticket back, but I bring some my friends, it's my friend this time. She looks a lot younger than me, a lot, lot younger than me. And that's how he lied to him. And she walks in the flat, he looks at her, and he's got this. Yes, here's my next one, kind of look. So when I seen it, like that's the first time I've seen it, I'm saying to her, you need to get off. Like, you need to get off. Like, I can't have this on my conscience. You need to go. Because the police are telling me there's girls missing from the care homes that he's been seen with and they don't know where he is from last year and the year before and the year before. And these girls live their life in care. So he's dragging me down the street, like, and saying, well, we're going to go We're gonna go to the shop. And I'm saying to her, go now while he's not looking. Just duck out and go. So she did. So obviously he's smacking me down the street and that's the night I met Marvin. Wow. I run him straight away, so I knew what he was. I knew what kind of man he was. I'd Did seen he him before. Did already have that, that name in Manchester? He was a he was a little punts, but he was just a little. He wasn't a nobody on the beat. You know what I mean? Like me and my boys who rolled around on the beat. We was the boys for that beat. He used to come around and we dickhead him off because he had his sister working. You know, as a prostitute. And we was all street robbers. Desert. We was all kind of street robbers. You know what I mean? We'd like have girls pretending to be getting punters around the corner and pull the pants around their ankles and then take the wallet, you know, and put the, give the wallets back and not take the wedding rings. And we was conscientious, you know what I mean? We didn't want to like bring it bangers for us, you know what I mean? So we'd do robberies on a weekend, but we wouldn't do like crazy ones. You know, we'd give people a wallet back and stick them back in a taxi and get them home. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So um, as I say, I seen him with her and I said to him, you better leave her alone. On New Year's <laughs> Eve, when yeah. I left him, we Mark, found, down the Mark found me again because I'm trying to get home. It's New Year's Eve. So that's Mark's, Mark's this man? Yeah, Mark's this man. Can we keep his name in it? Is that all right? Or yeah, 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 convicted. of course, yeah. He's convicted, yeah. So oh, yeah. he finds me. No straight away I've been with him. No so straight away. So I'm getting banged all over. So cut a long story short, that was the last time he laid me down and raped me. From that night on New Year's Eve, that's what he did to me. To punish me for talking to him. Yeah. That's what he did to I'd me. But I'd run him. I told him you better move. And so. that's why he did it. He was game over. I never, never went back. That's the thing that I needed to go back because 
in his eyes, I was his. And that night, that Soli kept saying, you're mine. And I kept saying, but I'm not yours. Mm. I'm not yours. Mm. I keep taking a dick, keep taking a dick. And he kidnapped me and he took me to Liverpool the next day and mm. wouldn't let me go. And he's ringing me, where are you? And mm. I'm saying, he's got me in Liverpool. I don't know what to do. My, you know, my dad's ringing me. What do I say to my dad? So he goes, go to somebody, go and find a police, or go to someone in the coach station. So it's exactly what I did. I got someone in the coach station and said, he's holding me against my will. Like, I need to go home to my mum and dad. And that's the last time that me and that man ever had, mm. he ever, like, had any control So what me. happened with me was, is I had nowhere to live. I was living at my niece's house. I had a bedroom. So I said to her, do you want to come and stay with me at my niece's house? You know what I mean? You know, I've got a bedroom there. So I phoned my niece and I said, I've just met this girl, but she's not like the other girls. She's not a drug addict and she's not a prostitute, right? She's actually a good girl. She's a good girl. She's just stuck. She went, nah, don't be bringing no smackheads in. I went, she ain't a smackhead. She's a nice girl. Let me introduce you to her. And these two was close in age, you know what I mean? So they was getting on, getting on. But me, at the time, I was decorating for a prison worker who worked in the prison system. So before I got out of my last sentence, I got working with this um, adoption agency worker. She ended up getting into me a little bit, buying me loads of clothes, saying to me on, on my day of release, do you want to uh, decorate my house for me? And I'll give you £100 a day. So Did I'm she going. She buy you the balaclava you met me in. She bought me a balaclava, <laughs> a Nike cleaning jacket, a pair of gloves, and that. Um, Ayana, it was the balaclava I met her in. So I'm going to this. So I say to her, look, you can stay at my niece's house, but I'm going down to this to work. To work every day. I'm getting a one. And you're you know still I mean? doing crack. And still I'm still on crack. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to manage my life. Yeah. I'm buying bits of crack. I'm buying a takeaway. I'm buying my niece's takeaway. I'm giving you money for cigs and top up. You know what I mean? I'm trying to manage my days every day. So it comes to the head that this woman wanted sex, but I wasn't giving it up. So one and day- And you was unaware of this, right? Well, I knew what she kind of wanted, you know what I mean? But I thought she was just being helpful, yeah. having me scrape on the walls. <laughs> but she did get a little bit too close to me when I'd sit down to wrap a joint and that, you know what I mean? And it made me think, I wonder if she wants some of but. She, I was not attracted to her at all, bro. She was everything that I wouldn't be attracted to in a woman. Do you know what I mean? And it's not what's not my cup of tea that, you know, like doing that sort of work. So really, I didn't want to do that. So I tried to, she threw the lips on me one day and I didn't respond. And then she knew then that I was like not having it. So the next time I went, I took my niece's boyfriend with me. And when she seen him at the front door, she was incensed. She went into her office, slammed the door, and she had a, a boy, um, she had a son. He was at about 14 in his bedroom upstairs. And I remember even him coming down like, what's going on? And I went, mom, you know, your mum's <laughs> got a mad type thing, yeah? So he's gone, I'll just go like, so, he, so anyway, I've gone. She got me recalled to prison. So I'm recalled back on my license. For what though? What for, for breach of um, um, conditions, breach of my conditions. So she said, He's not been coming to appointments with me. He's not been working with me. Like, he's uh, he's still committing crime. He's still taking drugs. Bang, bang, bang. She had me bang to rights, okay? So, I get remanded into custody, okay? So, while I'm in custody, I've got an illicit phone. Illicit phone. Not my own. You know, I'm I'm a hitman in prison, so I can get a mobile phone whenever I want off the boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do hits for the boys. I sell, 
sell drugs, work the drugs, make sure to collect all the canteens in for people, do the hits and whatnot. So I'm I'm all right in jail, ticking over. And I've got my mate, a scouse has got a mobile phone and I give her the number and I say to her, ring me, get some top up. Here's top ups. I'm selling heroin actually on the wings for top ups for her. You know, it just is what so it I'm is. Sam's still living with his niece when he went She's to jail. She's still living with my niece. Uh, so I'm trying to help her and um, one day she burst into tears because I didn't know that she was getting beaten up off this guy. I didn't have a clue. I just knew she was like, struggling, right? Wait, still? At the no, time, I still, I didn't tell her. Not told me. So no, 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 sorry. So, 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 you're talking about she was getting beaten up before you'd meet her. Yeah, met before her, yeah? I'd met her. Okay, and after. Cool. Yeah. So, but you said you never met him again. No, no. He stopped me up until 2019. He kept oh, coming for her. So he done five, five and a half. When he, he got never, sentenced. But he never raped her. you again. No, 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 no. That was New Year's. So where's what okay, happened? Okay, so he he was still in contact, still beating you up, still abusing you, but never actually raped you. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. That's okay, right. that's so, the confusion. So yeah. I'm in custody. I'm in custody. She breaks down one day on the phone and says to me, I've got something to tell you. Yep. I was not only being beat up off him, he was beating me up when I was 15 and he was having sex with me. So I said to her, listen to me, girl, very carefully. That man is a sex offender. He's a nonce. Yeah, get him put in prison because that's where nonces deserve to be. Yep. Sex offenders. So she went, oh, it's grassing. I said, listen, there's no such thing as grassing a sex offender. It, the, the, the rules are out the window. It doesn't count. And that's what I was convincing her to do. I said to her, listen, because she said to me, child protection team, I w want me to work with him. I said, work with him because he's a sex offender. He was having sex with you at 15. He was taking advantage of you. That's against the law, all right? You know, he's a, he's a nonce, yeah? He needs to go. I said to her, He's not, nonces don't sit on wings with man like us. They build prisons and build wings to oh, put man. them on. They don't come on wings with us because if we find out there's a sex offender on our wing, we end up, off. write them off. They get carried off on a stretcher, guaranteed, right? Every single, I've never known a sex offender to live with round us. I don't matter who it is, he would get his head smashed in and carried off the wing. And that's what would happen when we found a sex offender. And I was trying to convince her, the man is a sex offender. You need to work with the police. Do you know what I mean? Don't listen to what he's saying, okay? So anyway, she worked with him and he ended up getting a prison sentence five and a half years. So while I'm still living... Did you have to work the trial? No, we did a plea deal. I dropped, uh, he was looking at a lot longer. I had to do a plea deal. He was going to... She dropped some of the worst parts of it. I was a legal age when he raped me. So it was his word against mine. Um, basically, he was going to test if he was in a relationship. If they found him not guilty on that, they was going to find him not guilty on all charges. So, so I agreed to have left on file. I agreed and to have it left on file. So he did. He got sentenced to five and a half years for the assaults that he did on me. Served half. And he never left her alone. He used to stalk her in the city centre. She was scared to go in the city centre because he'd be looking for her. So one day I'm stood on a road. With got about, an Osman warning put on I'm, my life. Yeah, she got a warning yeah. and a proper Osman warning. He threatened to kill her. So one day I'm Did they not dead. nick him for that? Yeah. Yeah, they, they just let you go. They didn't even tell me when he got out of jail. So here's what happened. That's how I found out. His friend come over and said to me, your house is going to get burnt down. So they had to move me to another house, put fireproof letterboxes on my house and everything. I started catching him. So the first time I caught him, I'm stood there with about five boys on a ro on this road in town, all these Jamaican yardies who used to sell weed in the city centre. 
and I'm talking to him all, and I've seen him walking towards me, and he's got a girl pushing a pram with a baby in it, right? Sorry, just at this point, are you two fully in a me, relationship? Me and her, yeah, I'm yeah. with her now, yeah, I'm with her now, yeah. So I've come out of prison and that, and me and her are trying to make it's a not clean. relationship. I'm still a crackhead, but I don't bring it round her. I don't smoke crack in the house. I go about my business, go make my money, come back, give her a few quid, you know, she's just living a normal but life. But she's your, she's your missus at this yeah, point. Yeah, she's my missus, yeah. So I only see him, don't I? So uh, I smack him all over the street. Didn't tell all these boys I was with what I was doing. I just lined him up when I seen him coming towards me. Um, punched him all over. Said to the girl, what are you doing with him? That better not be his baby. And she's like, no, it's not. I just look, you know. So uh, he's ran. So um, every time he, she's seen him, he's doing, he's like giving a shit. You know what I mean? So I see him and I'm, so I, he's running from me now. Every time he sees me, he won't stop for me. You know what I mean? Because I've got a big scar on my fingers off him where I've caught him in his teeth. So that was that then, wasn't it? He was just trying to live like a normal life, wasn't we? Yeah, I got moved and then I didn't see him. Just like trying to live a normal that. life, okay? So I'm a crack addict, crack addict. She's doing her own thing. One day I get arrested for one of my normal everyday crimes. You just got, you just done a sentence. And got she, out. I get arrested on the Friday. She is just finished a job, got a first week's wage. Just got a job mm. a first week. She's on her way home. She goes to your friends, don't you, to go and have a drink. Are you trying to tell my story? No, I'm going to let you tell it now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm living a madness life with this one. I'm working. Like I used to be a grafter. I used to do fraud. I don't want to go to jail. I'm a girl. I don't belong in jail. So I got a suspended sentence and I got a tag. So I thought, nah, it's got to be it. He's driving me up the wall. I've got police coming in and out of my house. I'm running through crack houses like a mad woman fighting them to get him out of crack houses because they're harboring him while the police are coming through my door and I've had it up to wear with it. He's disappearing for days on end. Then I might come home when he's there or I'm getting a phone call from Stranger's reception. I'm locked up again. By that point, I've been with him for over five years. So I'm used to the rigma. He's in and he's out. But it gets tiring. It gets very, very tiring. Mm. If you're, you're going to be with someone... Yeah. That's, that's, Life of a drug addict is not good, is it? You've got to have heart. And let me tell you, you've got to have skin that no one can get through. It's got to be that thick. I think you've proved... Both of you have proved that. Yeah. And he was pissing me off. So I got myself... I was looking for a job, so I got myself... He was on the missing list again. I'd not seen him for four days. And um, I got myself a trial shift. I did it, I smashed it, I got the job. So I thought, fucking, I've got, real, I've got a legal job. I've got my own flat. Mark's been off the scene for the longest. It's just this one I've got to deal with. I've got my own little <laughs> dog. And I'm dead, dead proud of myself. So all my friends are waiting for me. How old are you at this point? I, this, this was a week before I turned 22. Okay, so, so life's going, life's about to turn like in a positive it's took way. Seven years to, from the first episode to where I've got now, but I'm in a good place. So it's in the summertime, all my friends are having a drink and a barbecue, and he goes, Why don't you come up for a drink? And I'm like, oh, I'm tired, you know. So I was waitressing, so I'd been on my feet for 10 hours. Don't forget, I'm not used to being on my feet for that long. I'm used to be like, you know, grafting and, you know, stuff like that. So I goes, All right, then, yeah, I'll come for a few. But I've got to be in work the next morning because I got the job. And he was like, yeah. So I gets there. And I'm not, I didn't realise that he's been on it all day. So I get there and they're drunk. They're off their face. And I'm sober. 
that he don't drink and I will say to her, how do you stand in a club where there's just, you know, you're sober and they're drunk. <laughs> so me and my mate, we get into a little bit of a barney because she's like, oh, selling us out. So I've gone, oh, fuck off, I'm born in a taxa. And it's like 10 to 12 and I use this firm all the time. It's my dad's best mate's firm. So he comes and it's a new taxi driver. Now I'm going half a mile down the road. It's not even a fiver off the meter. So he gets in and, you know, he's a big guy and he goes, one twenty pound up front. I'm going, all right, calm down. Now, before he went, I went away, when he got off for a few days, he gave me a few ton. I used to do that, you know, give me a few ton. I used ton. to give it a lot of money. A crackhead, I'd make money, give her 50% of it, know that she's safe, I'd go and smoke the rest and crack. So stash it away. So we had about three ton in my me, me, me bag. And um, I tells him where it is. And he goes, oh no, you're gonna have to give me another 20 pound. Well, I've just gave you 20 pound. Why do you want 40 pound off me? So he was making me a chair. So I went to him off, give me my money back. I said, I'll fucking walk it. So I've walked this walk. <laughs> I've walked it at four o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm game. You know, I'm, even though what I've been through, I've never had that happen to me on the street. Do you know what I mean? But it's a country lane. It's weird. It, once you're on it, you can't get off it. You've got to come down and you've got to go up. You yeah. cannot go that way or that way. So right, it's a summer's night. I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to go home, see the dog. And I'm halfway down the lane and I feel bang. And I'm side blinded like that. And I'm thinking, I'm like fucking tripping it. And I feels it again and again and again into my left. And I just see this guy with a balaclava. And me, I've gone to him, do you know who you've just fucking it? Like that. So he's doing it again, but like, I'm losing my senses. Yeah, and the next minute I wakes up on the ground 